Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Uh, Today we are wrapping up a series we've been studying for the last six weeks or so um, about how to learn to live in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And and it's centered on Jesus' words when he said um, to, to anyone who would listen, anyone who is thirsty... Anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And anyone who believes in me, he said, out of his inmost being will flow streams of living water. That you are uniquely created by God. And he loves you very, very much. And he wants to so fill your life with his presence that it spills over. That it flows out through you, bringing life to those around you. And last week we talked about this a little bit, um, that spiritual growth, your spiritual growth, your spiritual maturity will not progress beyond your willingness to serve. Because servanthood is the heart of what this life is all about. Jesus came to seek and to save. He came not to be served, but to serve. Because, and we're told all throughout Scripture, the definition that we're given to us uh, about spiritual maturity, it is always defined in Scripture as Love God, love people. It's that simple. And there are a lot of people who might be considered to be mature, but they don't love people very much. Jesus said, this is it. This is spiritual maturity, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the primary expression of love for people is serving them. That's how we express our love. And the way that we serve, and that's what we're going to look at this morning, is by using our spiritual gifts that God has gifted us to serve one another. And that's why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Because I want you to know this stuff. I want you to understand this. Um, Because the way that we serve one another is by using those gifts. Now, this is a much bigger topic, okay, much bigger topic than I'm going to be able to cover in the next 25 minutes or so, okay? So let me give you, if you want to take out your notes, just write these passages down. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Those are the three primary teachings about spiritual gifts. So you can go home, you can read those, you can study those a little bit more on your own. This morning, we're just going to focus primarily on Romans chapter 12. And beginning in verse 3, this is what Paul wrote. He said, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. He wrote to the Romans, this is what it looks like. 
So we're going to look a little bit this morning at this whole idea. And I'm really excited about this message. I'm really excited about today. Not just because I'm going on vacation tomorrow, okay? Um, I'm really excited about this message because I think, I think in this holds all the power and the impact that a church can have on its community. And so we're going to look at this together. Um, some of the things that, that's, that the Paul teaches about spiritual gifts. So let me give you kind of a working definition this morning, okay? You might disagree with it. You might argue with me. But this is the one we're going to use for the morning. A spiritual gift is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer, empowering them to do God's work. Give it to you one more time. A spiritual gift is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer empowering them to do God's work. What this means, okay? What this means is that if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have a spiritual gift. There is no one in this room, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there is no one in this room that does not have at least one spiritual gift. At least one. That's what we're told. The Bible is very, very clear on all of this. Look at Romans 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to what? To who? To each of us. Say it out loud with me. To each of us. 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So here's what I'd like you to do this morning. Would you just elbow in the ribs the person next to you and tell them, you better pay attention because this has to do with you, okay? Just, all right. So we're all on the same page because every one of us, every one of us in this room, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift. These are not for just an elite few. When I was in elementary school, I don't think they do this anymore, but when I was in elementary school, they had two different reading groups. At the beginning of the school year, they have you, you know, do a little bit of reading, see how much you could do and how well you could keep up. And then they divided us about, uh, about three weeks or so into the school year. There was the early morning group, and then there was the late reading group. Do you, do you remember this? Anybody else have this in their school? Okay. Yeah, this is what we did. And, and the thing was, if you were a slow learner, you know, if you weren't really up to speed, then you were in the morning group. That was the morning reading group. And then if you, were, if you were advanced, if you were smart, you know, if you were a good reader, you were in the afternoon group. I know that because I was in the afternoon group. <laughs> and that's what they told me. So I believed it. I was just a kid. What do I know? Could have been just the opposite. But this is the deal. There's no slow learners class. There's no special gifted class. Everybody's gifted. And that is very clear in Scripture. Everywhere it talks about spiritual gifts, it says Everyone has it. Now, more than likely, more than likely you have more than one. More than likely you have kind of a gift mix. Two or three gifts that just merge and meld together in such a way that, that it, it empowers you to do God's work. Because, see, uh, the purpose of your gifting is to serve other people. Now, let me say something. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. Okay, you might have a particular talent. You might be able to sing, play guitar. You might have musical talent. You might have all kinds of talents. Okay? Spiritual gifts are not talents. They're not natural talents. They are specifically given for the work of God. They are ministry-oriented. The purpose of your gifting is to serve others. In fact, that's what he said. These are given for the common good, to serve one another. So my aim and your aim ought to be to discover 
develop and put into use your spiritual gift, my spiritual gift. If this is what God has equipped me and called me to do, if this is how he has gifted me for my life to make an impact in this world, then the most important thing that I can do, the most important thing that you can do with your life, bar none, is to discover and develop and to use your gift to serve God's kingdom. That is your primary calling in life. Now, these gifts are not trophies that are earned that you put on your shelf. Okay? This isn't like baseball cards where you collect the whole set. Okay? These are given by God at His discretion. They are gifts. They're not earned. They're not collected. They're not traded. They are given. They are gifts given specifically by God's design to do God's work in the world. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All of the gifts are produced by the one and same Spirit, and He gives them to each person just as He decides. Now, your giftings, whatever gifts God has given you, are going to fit you perfectly. They will. Because sometimes when we talk about spiritual gifts and that kind of thing, sometimes people start thinking about, well, oh, no, this is going to be work, you know. Oh, this is going to be a burden. Now I'm going to have to do something. Or, or, or serving God, this is going to be unpleasant. Nothing could be further from the truth. And some people, we talk about spiritual gifts, and it's kind of like I was wishing for, and I asked Santa for a bicycle, but I got pajamas, you know? I mean, that's how some people think about it. That's going to be what I don't want. It's going to be something that I can't do. It's going to be something that's going to be laborious. and Nothing could be further from the truth. It is like getting the bicycle. (laughs) It is getting the very thing that God designed you to do. It is at the heart of how and why God created you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. Now, the other thing you need to know is that no matter how you are gifted, no matter how many gifts that you have, nobody has every gift. That's why we need each other. That's why throughout Scripture, every time there is teaching about spiritual gifts, there's always this metaphor that is used about the body. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's the analogy that he uses to describe spiritual gifts, that, that it's like a body. And, and, and every part, there's unity in that because it is one body, but there are many gifts. There are many functions. There are many things that we are to do. We, we, there's an interdependence that we have on each other. We are each to make a contribution towards one another. We are all dependent on and rely upon one another. We need everyone. And and he goes on, in fact, he talks a little bit more about it in, in 1 Corinthians 12. When a part of the body is not functioning as it ought to, the whole body suffers. If a part of the body is not working the way it should, it affects and impacts the whole body. Give me an example of that. When I was working in construction, working for my dad, um, one of the stupidest things I ever did in my whole life was I shot myself in the hand with a nail gun. Yeah, uh, that's what I said. No, um, 
And, and you, actually, I still have the scar. It's kind of a tear right here. And, and fortunately, did not hit a single bone. Just went, you know, as many bones as there are in the hand. Didn't hit a single bone. But what it did do is it hit and destroyed one of the nerves, the nerve in my hand that controls my little finger. So even after it healed, it's like my little finger had a life of its own. You know, I'd go to make a fist and it wouldn't cooperate. You know, I go to put my hands in my pockets and it would miss the slot somehow. You know, it, just, it had a life of its own. <laughs> now, here's the deal. Though what the doctor told me is that over a period of time, what very often happens is one part of the body will kind of make up for the other. So though that nerve is damaged, he said, there are other nerves in your hand, and more than likely, one of those nerves will go over and, and kind of do the job of the one that's damaged. And sure enough, over a period of time, I got control of my little finger. Now, it doesn't quite operate the way that it once did. There's still a little bit of offness in it. But one part of the body had to make up for another that was destroyed, that wasn't functioning. See, and this is what you got to get. God specifically designed the church to function as a body. This is not an afterthought. This is not like somewhere down the road he thought, oh, here's an idea. He specifically designed the church to function as a body. That is his design. And as each part of your body has a function, so it is in the body of Christ. In your body, the heart is specifically designed for pumping blood. Your lungs are specifically designed to breathe in and out and take in air. Your lungs cannot pump blood, nor can your heart breathe. Okay? The heart is designed for pumping blood. The lungs are designed for breathing air. The little toe is designed to be stubbed. I don't know. <laughs> it takes the pain for all the rest of the body. I don't know. There's something about the little toe. But, but every part has a function. And that is how God designed his church. Specifically. God never intended his church to be a one-man show. He designed his church to be led by leaders, taught by teachers, administered by administrators, and so on and so on and so on. Never designed it to be a one-man show. And yet so often in Christian churches, the way that it works is we hire the pastor, he does the work, we show up once a week and critique. (laughs) He does the work. We all watch him work. And then we send him notes, whether he did a good job or not. You know? in, in too many churches, that's the way that it functions. That is not God's design. His design is that the whole body... Function. In, fact, in fact, if you read Ephesians 4 chapter, the pastors have a very specific job. The pastor's job, among other gifts, but one of the pastor's jobs is to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. My job is to put you to work. That is my calling. Not to do it for you, but to equip you to do the work. That every pastor on our pastoral staff, their job is to put you to work, to help you find your gift to find that place where you fit, where you can function, where you can make your contribution to this body. 
Now, we just added a new staff person. So guess what that means? More of you are going to have to go to work. (laughs) We didn't hire Larry to just do all of our children's ministry, to do all of our student ministries. Larry came on staff with us to put you to work, to help you discover where you fit. And maybe you fit in our children's ministry. Maybe you fit in our student ministries. I'm really excited about some of the changes that are in the works and some of the things we're planning to kick off in the fall in both our student and our children's ministries. And there's some incredible opportunities. But it's going to take a lot more volunteers. It's going to take a lot more commitment. It's going to take a lot more giving ourselves to the ministry of God's work in this world. I'll just give you a few in the children's ministry alone. We, one of the things we're going to do is provide a more secure check-in system, fully computerized, fully secure, to provide that le- extra level of security for our kids. That is vitally important. We have got to do that. We have gotten to the size of a church. We can't just let kids wander wherever they want. So one of the things, if you're just kind of tech savvy, you can help with that. We're going to need some people who will just be runners, who will, oh, and all you got to do is take a new family, take parents and kids to their classes so they know where to pick them up afterwards. That's a very simple baby step kind of ministry opportunity. But you could do something like that. Some of you maybe, some of you just have a love for kids and we could use you in our nurseries to just love on those babies. Because when you hold that baby in their hand and you love on them, in your arms, and, and you say to them, do you know that God loves you? Do you know? Do you know how much God loves you? Before that child even learns what love is, they have got a sense of God's love expressed to them that will pay off for years. Some of you can do that. In fact, some of you are called to do that. We will need helpers, more helpers in our kindergarten. Um, to just, maybe you're, maybe you're good at handicrafts, you know? Maybe that's where you, or, or maybe you're good at singing, and we could use more, you'd like to be on a worship team, but you're not sure you want to be here. We'll put you in front of kids. They're a very easy, easy audience, okay? <laughs> maybe that's where you could get started in using those gifts. But here's the deal, that there are all kinds of opportunities and needs within the church, and the way God designed his church to function is as a body, So move in your strengths. Discover your gifts. And then what you do is, where you have weaknesses, where you are not gifted, find someone who is gifted in that area and bring them along with you. Discover your gift. So how do you discover your gift? How do do I discover my gift? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're going to talk about next. You discover your gift. The best way, the very best way you discover your gift is by exploration. Now, you can take a class, you can take, you know, assessment tests, you can do all kinds of things. But the very best way, the very best way you can do this is by exploration, experimentation. And it starts with just taking some time to step back and make an honest evaluation about your life. That's what Paul says. Look at this, Romans 12, verse 3. He says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. In accordance with the measure of faith, God has given you. So, some of you have never even done this. Just step back for a day or so, maybe, and just think about, where am I gifted? And here's some places you can start. Start with your personality. 
If you are an introvert, it's not likely that God gave you a leadership gift to stand in front of people. Now, if you are an extrovert, maybe so. So, start with your personality. Think about your passions. What are the things that when you think about, if I could do that, it just, just the thought of doing that makes your heart start beating a little bit faster. Might be an area where you are gifted. Your experiences, the things that you have been through in your life are all part of how God has been shaping you. And maybe your experiences can be a part of how he wants to use you in his church. So just start with just kind of this honest evaluation. If you're not sure, ask people who know you really well. And tell them, be honest with me now. I can take it. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. But be honest with me. Where are my strengths? And if you're really daring, where are my weaknesses? But get a sense of how God created you because he, his gifts are going to perfectly fit you. So start with just that, that sober judgment. And then, and then just try stuff. Just try stuff. Not just for one weekend, not just for a couple of weeks. Try something. Start with the thing that you think you might be most interested in, you might be most gifted at, and just try something and try it for a couple of months. And then after a couple of months, you'll be able to step back and say, ah, it's not me. Or you might say, whoa, this is just, I love this stuff. But give it a shot. Try, experiment. It's okay. And it's okay to try something and step back and say, it really is not my gifting. Because maybe there's something else that you should be doing. But maybe doing this will help you narrow it down. Just try. And then learn all you can about spiritual gifts. Just learn all that you can. The three passages I told you about, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, good place to start. They're the most significant passages that talk about spiritual gifts. Learn what you can about them. There are at least, at minimum, 20 different spiritual gifts given in Scripture. There's some debate on some others, but there's at least 20. There is at least 20 gifts. In fact, next month, June 26th, we're going to do an all-day seminar on finding your shape, finding your giftings. And so if you don't even know where to start, sign up for that class. Because we'll go through a little bit more teaching in depth about all these gifts. Because there's a bunch of them. There's over 20 of them. Right here in Romans, we're only given seven. So these are the seven we're going to concentrate on. But let me just go through a couple of these and give you an idea what these things look like. How these things function. And actually, some of these gifts also have kind of related gifts. So maybe this one doesn't fit you, but there's others that say, well, maybe so. He says, and he goes through the whole list. He says, do you have the gift of prophecy? Is your gift to serve? Is it teaching? Is it encouragement? Is it giving to those in need? Is it being a leader? Is it showing mercy? He said, here's seven of them to start with. Ask yourself, is it one of these? Is it the gift of prophecy? The gift of prophecy is the God-given ability to proclaim truth in a timely and relevant fashion. To be able to just speak truth in a way that it just meets the specific need at that time. You do it and somebody says, whoa, how did you know what I was thinking? How did you know I was praying about that? It's a gift of prophecy. Related to that is the gift of discernment. There are some people that just have this ability 
to pick up on what other people are, where they're at. When, when the face and the, and the facade is all up, they, they somehow see past the facade. It's a gift of discernment. Another one that's related to that is the gift of evangelist. An evangelist speaks prophetically. The grace of God to those who need to hear it. Okay? Those are kind of related gifts. The gift I want to hit on is prophecy. Next one is serving. Serving is a God-given ability to identify needs and apply resources to meet those needs. That's what, that's what the gift of serving is all about. You're able to see where there's a need and find a way to fill it. You, you just have this ability to, to do that. Now, some related gifts to that one. The gift of helps is one. There are some people, you don't, you're not an upfront person. You're, you're behind the scenes. You don't want anybody to know what you're doing. But there is something that when you come alongside somebody else in their ministry, somehow exponentially the ministry multiplies. And it's because you were helping there. That is a spiritual gift. It is there in Scripture. The gift of administration might be a serving gift. You just have the, you have the ability to put the right people in the right spots at the right time. And you know how to make an organization flow and a better way to do things and a more effective way to do things. Gift of administration. So another one that's outlined in Scripture. The third one that, that uh, Paul talks about here is the gift of teaching. If you have the gift of teaching, it is a God-given ability to understand, explain, and apply Scripture. That is a God-given gift. Now, if you love digging, you know, if you love studying, if you love, you know, original languages and, and word meanings, and, and you, you have a way to find passages that kind of link up and they, they talk about the same thing, that might be the gift of teaching. Because one of the things with the gift of teaching is you just love studying, you love preparing. Now, you may love preparing, and then when you go to teach, nobody gets it, okay? Then you don't have the gift. You might like studying, but you don't have the gift to teach. If nobody's listening to you, if nobody's learning anything, you don't have that gift. Because if you do... There is results. Some related gifts to that. The gift of knowledge. Gift of wisdom. Those are all related. Um, The fourth one, Paul talks about in Romans 12. The gift of encouragement. People with this gift, it is a divinely given gift to be able to, to, to comfort, to strengthen, and even to urge people forward in their walk with Christ. And you know those kind of people. It's like when they come and ask, how are you doing? You just want to pour your heart out to them because you know they really want to hear it, you know? And you just go, oh. And they have the right word at just the right time to say, you know what? You can do this. And somehow when they say it, it's like God speaking his word to you. It's the gift of encouragement. Along with that, here's, here's a couple of related ones to that. The gift of faith can be an encouraging gift. The gift of working miracles. It's a God-given Spiritual gift. Fifth one he talks about is giving. Giving can show itself in a lot of different ways. We know what giving is, but, but there's a lot of different ways. The gift of giving is that, that divinely um, given ability to use resources, your resources, for God's work. And, and, and they love doing it. They just love doing it. Now, here's a couple of related gifts. The gift of hospitality. If you're the kind of person that just loves people, loves opening your home, loves pouring love on people, the gift of hospitality is a giving gift. Another one is the gift of voluntary poverty. There are some people who have this incredible ability, and in the United States, this is a God-given gift, (laughs) to live below their means on purpose 
so as to provide extra to give to God's work, to give to people in need. They have this gift. They don't need a lot of stuff. These people might make a lot or they might make very, very little, but they had this ability to live at a level well below their means so that what they have and what they earn can go back into the work of God. That is a God-given gift. The gift of leadership he talks about. Again, the ability to lead people. Related gifts to this are the, the gift of pastor, the gift of apostle. If you have this leadership gift, people follow you. It is a divinely given gift that just sets a tone and sets a vision and sets a direction so that people want to join in. People want to go with you. Wherever you're going, call me. I'm with you. Uh, you know, just, now, if you think you've got the gift of leadership and nobody's following you, you're just out for a walk, okay? <laughs> That's not the gift. But if you do have that gift, people follow. They catch the vision. They see what could be because you paint that picture, and they will come with you whatever it takes to fulfill it. It's a leadership gift. The gift of mercy which the best definition I ever heard of is that God-given ability to show compassion by your actions. To care for and help people. Some related gifts to this one. The gift of intercession. To pray for one another. The gift of healing. That too might be one of those mercy gifts. Now, any of those strike a chord in any of you? It might be those are your gifts. Now, if you're not sure, um, Craig Rochelle came up. He's a pastor uh, back in, uh, I believe he's down in the South. And um, he came up with what he calls the apple pie gift assessment test. Okay? So he says, imagine this. He says, imagine you're all sitting down at the table. There's a bunch of people there. And um, it's dessert time and the apple pie has been served. And there's someone in the table. Um, they're, they're sitting near you. And, and they get their plate of apple pie. And for some reason, they don't put the plate fully on the table. So as they go to put their fork to cut their piece of pie, it flips the plate and the pie falls into their lap and makes a big mess. Okay, now, picture that scenario. If your first response is, whatever your first response is, it might be an indicator of your gift. So if your first response is, I could have told you that was going to happen, you idiot. <laughs> what were you thinking? You need to pay closer attention. You might have the gift of prophecy. <laughs> if your first reaction is, oh, no. Here, let me help you clean that up. Here's a napkin. Let me wipe you up. Here, let me go get you another piece of pie. You might have the gift of serving. If your initial reaction is, you know, if you'd made sure that the plate was fully on the table, it wouldn't have fallen into your lap. So take a lesson and next time do it differently. You might have a teaching gift. If your answer is, hey, it's okay. You know, that happens to everyone one time or another. Don't worry about it. There'll be plenty of opportunities to eat apple pie in the future. Don't give up on apple pie. You have the gift of encouragement. <laughs> if your response is, here, take mine. In fact, bring another apple pie for everybody and put whipped cream on it. My treat. You might have the gift of giving. If your response is, 
We can get this thing cleaned up in no time. John, go get us a mop. Here, Sue, you take the plate to the kitchen. Paul, see if there's any more pie we can get him. Let's move, people. You might have the gift of leadership. If your initial response is, oh, I am so sorry. The minute I saw it falling into your lap, I was hurting for you. I wish I could have caught it in time. Let me give you a hug. You might have the gift of mercy. Now, that's tongue-in-cheek, okay? But the point is, the way that you react to situations, the way that you deal with circumstances, can very often be an indicator of where you are gifted. So take that evaluation. Just, just see. See where you might be gifted. Now here's the last thing. We're going to close with this. Whatever gifts that you have, and you need to know this, whatever gifts that you have, you are to use them to their fullest. To their fullest. Now let me make a differentiation between gifts and roles because there are certain marks of spiritual maturity. There are certain um, characteristics that God is forming in every believer. Okay? Every one of us, anyone who calls himself a Christ follower, anyone who is truly following Jesus will learn to serve. You will serve because servanthood is what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. So all believers, it's expected that all believers will serve. It's expected that all believers will encourage. We're told over and over again in Scripture, encourage one another. All believers are supposed to do that. All believers are called to give. We surrender our rights to our resources to God when we give Him our life. And now He directs where my resources go. All believers are called to be generous and giving. Every single Christ follower is called to that. That is a characteristic and quality of spiritual maturity. And every believer is called to show mercy, to be merciful and gracious to one another. Okay? Everybody's called to that. But if it is your gifting, you will find that there is a particular effectiveness to when you do it. When you encourage people, it really encourages them. I mean, done on a deep level. When it's your gift, there's something that shows because of it. And in a greater degree than it does maybe for other believers that don't have that gift. It's like, it's like in golf or in tennis or playing baseball. It's when you hit the sweet spot, it's called. You know, when, when, when you, take, you stand at that tee and you swing that club and you hit that ball exactly perfect and it flies exactly where you wanted it to go and it lands on the green in one stroke because you just hit it so perfectly. You hit the sweet spot. That happens to me about once in every 25 golfing events I go to, okay? That doesn't happen to me very often. That is not my gift. But people who hit that more times, out of, more times than they don't, that's hitting the sweet spot. And where you are gifted, that's what it'll feel like. You've hit your sweet spot. There's just something that happens when you do that. It's like, whoa. Whoa. I, I was made for this. This is, this, is, this is who I am. Because when you're, when you're gifted, there'll be indicators of it. There'll be some results. There'll be some fruit from it. 
So the thing is this. Use the gifts that God has given you. Develop the maturity as all believers do, but use the gifts that God has given you. And when you do, give it your all. He goes on. Romans 12, 6, 8. We skipped over this part of it. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, whatever gift you have, use it to its fullest potential. Not just if you've got some extra time. Not if, well, if I ever get around to it. Not just on Sunday mornings when you step on this campus. Not just when you feel on. All of your life. Use the gift that God has given you. And use it to its fullest potential. Grow in it. Develop it. Put it to work. Stretch it. Move in it. But for God's sake and His kingdom's sake, use the gift He's given to you. And if you are here this morning and you're saying to yourself, my spiritual life is dry and boring and truth is it's probably on life support. My spiritual life feels lifeless it is probably because you are not serving. There, I said it. Because people who are serving know the Spirit of God is flowing through them. They know that they are doing something that contributes to the kingdom of God, that makes a difference for eternity, and they are energized by it. They are moving in it. They have hit that sweet spot, and they want to keep swinging for the fences. And if your spiritual life is dry and lifeless, I would venture to guess, I would almost make a bet if I were a betting man, that you are not serving. Because people who are serving are life-giving. And they're serving not in their own strength. They are serving by the flow of the Spirit through their life. And they are getting energized as they are energizing other people. Now, that does not mean that it will always be effortless. Okay? When you find your gift, that doesn't mean it's all clear sailing. It doesn't mean it all works out perfectly for you. There will be times when moving in your gift is demanding, rigorous. There will be times when you use your gift in ways that are challenging, in ways you've never used that gift before. There are ways there are, moving in your gift will sometimes be stretching to you. Okay? It's not always going to be clear sailing. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be effortless just because you're in your gift. I love pastoring. Believe me, there is nothing I would rather do with my life. I can't think of doing anything else with my life than pastoring a church. It is who God made me to to be. It is what he called me to do. I love being a pastor. But there are some days, not so much. There are some days when it is hard. There are some days when it is overwhelming. There are some days when it is so challenging and so beyond me, I am desperate for God's help in, in, in a way that I, that I never feel it otherwise. 
There are those days. But when you know your gift and you are committed to serving, you serve even in those days because it's not about you. It's about God and his kingdom and how he has equipped and gifted you. And if you are in a church and you are not serving, you are hurting the body of Christ. Can I say that? You are impeding the work of God in this world. You are sitting on your fanny while people are dying and going to hell. How else can I make it any stronger? It is what God created you to do. And I'm not saying that to to press you out of guilt. I want you to see you are made to make that contribution. You are created by God to do something with your life. And what else would you do with your life, your one and only life, than invest it in eternity? Do you just want to go and do the nine to five thing so you can take home the paycheck, so you can take the boat out on the weekends and go water skiing to get refreshed so you can go back the next Monday morning and do the nine to five thing for another five days to take home another paycheck so you can go pay and have some more fun to get you jazzed up so you can get back to work the next day. Do you want to live your life like that? I don't. I don't think anybody does. But too often that's what we settle for. And God has so much more for your life. For God's sake, use your gift. Use your gift. And and understand, even when it gets difficult, use your gift. Even when it gets demanding, use your gift. Because there are no term limits on spiritual gifts. There is no mandatory retirement age. You never end when it comes to serving God and serving people. It is what God made you to do. And so Paul finishes this section, verse 11. So he says, Never, never let the fire go in your heart go out. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive and serve the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.